Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of A Cowgirl and Her Horse. I'm your host, Katrina. First off, I just want to apologize for being a bit MIA this past week on social media. I have been under the weather recently, um, kind of joke that I've been fighting the plague when it hasn't been that bad, but it's been enough that I haven't been able to spend much time with my horse at all, uh, which really sucks because the last few days have been gorgeous here, really nice temperatures and sunny and stuff, but so I apologize for that. Moving on, as many of you know, and if you're listening to this episode the week that it gets released, the 2019 NFR starts this Thursday, December 5th. So if you're interested in watching it, it will be broadcasted on the CBS Sports Network every night at 7 o'clock in the evening. Unfortunately, here in Canada, and I'm sure it's also the case in other places outside of the U.S., we don't get CBS Sports. So another option would be to head over to ProRodeoTV.com. From what I understand, I haven't done too much digging, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of like a subscription service. You know, you can watch... You pay a monthly fee or whatever to watch the rodeos that they broadcast. Um, so ProRodeoTV.com, if you're outside of the United States, they will broadcast the NFR in real time. Last year, I actually just watched YouTube videos of the barrel racing that people posted. They would video their TVs of, I'm assuming it was CBS Sports, with their cell phones and then post it onto YouTube or Facebook as well. Unfortunately, it was really, really hard to find those videos. Someone, I don't know if it is CBS or whatever, they really started cracking down last year. And I think that most, if not all of those videos got taken down. So if you're wanting to watch it, it's just a heads up. You know, either make sure you get CBS Sports, check out Pro Rodeo TV, or just gamble, I guess, that you're going to be able to watch them on YouTube or Facebook. All right, so before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to ask you, as always, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps the podcast become more visible and ensures that I will be able to continue to bring you new episodes because it takes a lot of work to get an episode ready uh, for recording and whatnot and getting everything ready for Tuesdays when I release them. So it's really important that I know that you guys are enjoying the content and you can do that by subscribing, listening, telling your friends, all that good stuff. And then you can also head over to Instagram or Facebook and search at a cowgirl and her horse. And I post all kinds of horsey shenanigans there. So This week's episode is all about the fundamentals that a horse should have mastered prior to going to the barrel pattern. I cannot stress enough how important it is to have your fundamentals covered. 
it will save both you and your horse a ton of stress and will go a long way in helping you find success in the barrel pen. So with that being said, let's get into it. It seems like as a horse owner, there's always something you could use or need or want when it comes to your horses. I've found that horse.com is a great place to meet those needs. Whether you need a new pair of bell boots because your latest pair have completely fallen apart from being used too many times, or are looking to try a new bit, horse.com is your place to find what you need. Head over to a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. You'll also find there a list of all my favorite products, including Classic Equine's Legacy 2 boots and Ariat's Fat Baby boots, which are my favorite boots to wear around the barn. Again, that's a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals. I know there are some people out there that think barrel racing is easy. You run around three circles and then head home. How hard can it be? Like I've said before, when you look at it that way, yes, barrel racing is easy. But there's a lot more to it than someone who is not familiar with the sport may think. At its core, Yes, we are just running around three barrels, but in order to do that, it takes a skilled rider and a well-trained horse. So today I wanted to focus on the well-trained horse portion of the equation because I think there are way too many people out there trying to pattern horses that are not ready to be patterned. Go to any barrel race anywhere and I can guarantee that you will see horses being run that obviously don't have the foundation in place that is needed to become a successful barrel horse. As a result, the rider may unnecessarily discipline them for not getting something right, for example. It likely isn't that the horse is trying to be bad. More often than not, it's a case of the horse not understanding and having not been given the tools in order to succeed. And how fair is that if you set a horse up for failure? I'm going to go through a list of things that your horse needs to be proficient in before you even consider introducing them to the pattern. And when I say proficient, I mean proficient. I don't mean in the process of learning, I don't mean starting to get the hang of it. I mean that when you ask for any of this stuff that I'm going to go through, they understand your cues and know what is expected. A horse that isn't proficient in these fundamentals would not do well and will in all likelihood get confused or frustrated if you take them to the pattern. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is. So if you have a horse that you have already started on the pattern, 
but you are running into some trouble, then I also encourage you to go through this list and look for any holes that may be present in your horse's training. Fill in those holes and then you can go back to the pattern. Trust me, it's worth the time to do this. If your horse has the fundamentals in place, teaching the barrel pattern is a walk in the park in most cases. If you listened to my intro episode, you will know that when I got junior, he was not patterned and I had never barrel raced before. However, because junior was so incredibly broke, I was able to pattern him myself without any help in person. I I took what I learned from books and DVDs and I got to work that way. The result was impressive, if I do say so myself, for someone who had no experience with barrel racing. I don't recommend taking that path. If you are new to barrel racing, please, please, please find a seasoned horse that you can learn from. Why did it work so well for us? Because Junior was so broke. He had all of the fundamentals and then some that are required of a barrel horse. As I said, he was a cutting horse, so he was broke to death, fancy broke. He easily moved through all three gates. He had a good stop. He could easily move his shoulder and his hip. He was really soft in his face. He listened to my body language. It was all there. Basically, all I needed to do was teach him what the pattern actually was, and we were set. So if you want your patterning experience and your overall career with that horse to be as carefree as that, then you need to get to work on getting these fundamentals solid on your horse. First and foremost, I want a horse to have a nice soft face. When I pick up on the reins, I want them to give me I want them to give to me. Whether I pick up on one rein, just to one side, or if I pick up on both. I don't want a horse to ignore the bit or lean on it or stick its nose out when it feels pressure. When you pick up on a rein, let's say you pick up the right rein, I want that horse to soften to that pressure immediately by slightly bending to the right. I don't need them to be so soft that they bring their nose all the way around to my boot. And actually, we don't want a horse that soft in barrel racing, but I just want them to have that respect to pressure. Things happen in the blink of an eye during a barrel run, as you know. And if I pick up on one during a turn, I need them to be responsive and soft. Fighting with a horse for his face wastes a ton of time and ends up in slow runs at the end of the day. So this would definitely be the first place I would start with a horse. And in fact, on young ones, I start on this even before I swing a leg over them. Once I get a bit in their mouth, I start getting them to flex from side to side. By the time I get on their back, they are already soft and responsive to that pressure. As a general rule, I don't touch my horse's face a whole lot when I'm riding, but that doesn't mean I want a horse that is completely unresponsive. They definitely need to be responsive, whether it be flexing from side to side or breaking out the pole. 
I want them nice and soft. Uh, the next thing you would want, you need to be able to move your horse up and down through all four gates, walk, trot, lope, gallop. Although the majority of your run is obviously done at a gallop, it's still really important that you can move up and down all four gates. If you can do that, it shows that you have speed control and that your horse is listening to your body. You know, which is really important, you know, because you're shifting your body forward or backwards, whether you want more run or you want rate. So you should be able to ask for a walk and the horse walks. From a walk, you should be able to ask for a trot and, and immediately get a trot. From a trot, you should ask for a lope and get a lope on the correct lead. That's really important, getting your leads. From the lope, you should be able to bump them up a bit more and get the gallop. You should also be able to move back down through the gates as well. So you should be able to go from a gallop to a lope, from a lope to a trot, and from a trot to a walk. You should be able to do all of this fairly smoothly. So, for example, when you ask for a trot from a lope, so we're slowing down, you don't want your horse slamming on the brakes and shifting all his weight to his front end. He should gather himself up a bit and smoothly drop into that lower gate. You also don't want a horse to be chargy when you do this. I know that can oftentimes be easier said than done with a barrel horse, but you know when you ask for a trot, you shouldn't be fighting your horse to get him to keep him from going into a lope right away. When you ask for a trot, you should get a trot, not a lope. The next thing that your horse should have is a good stop. I know some people are going to argue with this as a barrel racer. Your job is to go fast. It's not to stop. However, I want a horse to have a good stop for two reasons. One, I like knowing that I won't have to guess if we will stop or not at the end of the alleyway. To me, that sounds terrifying. And two, I think a horse with a good stop is more equipped to gather himself up underneath himself in his turns because he knows how to collect him stop himself when he goes to stop. And when I say a good stop, I don't expect a sliding stop that a rainer would have. But there are definitely some similarities to what constitutes as a good stop. When you sit down in your saddle to ask for a stop, your horse should melt down and stop within a couple of strides. If he keeps going, obviously you're going to need to pick up on him. And But the majority of that stop should come from your seat. As your horse stops, we don't want him throwing his weight on his front end. He should shift his weight back and sit on his hind end a bit. Again, we aren't asking for a reining stop here, but those fundamentals of a good stop are still the same. A horse that throws its weight forward is not going to stay sound long term. It's really hard on their legs and their shoulders and all that if they're slamming their weight onto their front end. So shifting their weight back allows for a stop that is smoother and easier on their body. Not to mention it's a lot easier to ride as well. <laughs> uh, your horse should also be able to back up. Again, some people might argue with this, but when you sit down and pick up on your reins to ask them to back up, they should tuck their chin, round their back, and lift up their feet 
as they back up smoothly. And I want them backing up with some energy. I don't want to see a horse that sticks their nose out when you put pressure on the reins and hollows out their backs, their back and then drags their feet. I don't, I know you don't need to back up when you're barrel racing, obviously, but it's a foundation to a horse learning how to get up underneath himself, which they need to do in a turn. And not to mention, it just builds those back muscles that are really important for a run. Um, One thing I will say is throughout all of these movements, the horse should be responding to your body. Kind of touched on a little bit, but if you tilt forward into more of a go position, the horse should accelerate and maintain that speed until your body says something else. If you sit down and push yourself into the saddle, your horse should rate their speed and depending on how exaggerated you've sat in the saddle, they might may or may not need to stop. So the next thing I think that is really important is shoulder control. During a barrel run, you need to be able to move your horse's body exactly where you want it. For example, if your horse comes in a little too close to first, you should be able to pick up their shoulder and move them over to avoid a knocked barrel. And similarly, if you are coming in a little too far away, you will want to be able to move them in a little closer to clean up your turn and avoid traveling on necessary ground. And this is where the horse's ability to listen to your legs really comes into play. So when I say use my inside leg, I expect a horse to get off of that leg right away. Hip control is also really important. I would say maybe to a lesser extent because as a general rule, the hips are going to follow the shoulders. So if you have really good shoulder control, you you still want hip control. But it's just, I feel like shoulders are a bit more important. As I come into a turn, I want their hip up underneath them. So when you're patterning your horse, you should be really particular about making sure they learn proper hip placement so that they're in the most athletic position possible as they go around the barrel. Being able to move that hip around is a big part of that. So like I said, you don't, it's not that I'm saying you don't want hip control, but you know, so, and the list goes on. The next thing I want in a horse before taking them to the barrel pattern is collection. On a very basic level, a horse that moves uncollected is strung out and not in an athletic position, which can definitely lead to soundness issues if they continue to travel like that for long term. In contrast, a horse that moves collected is much more able to move efficiently and smoothly. When asked, a horse should carry themselves collected, and that doesn't necessarily mean just keeping a nice headset. A horse can have a nice headset where their chin is tucked and all that, and they still aren't collected. Their back will be all hollowed out. True collection is when the back is rounded, their feet should come up up underneath them, and, you know, their face may or may not be neatly collected like you associate collection with. So, and this collection translates directly to the pattern. 
when we ask a horse to rate for a turn, we want them to gather themselves and get collected. As they turn around the barrel, they should remain and keep that collection. And then when they come out of the turn, they will be able to push off of that hind end like a spring as they power to, ne to the next barrel or to home. And the last thing I would say is really important to have before you get to the pattern is I would say that a horse needs confidence. Unfortunately, this isn't really something that you can develop in a horse. I feel like it's kind of nature or nurture. Like you can definitely help a horse with its confidence, but some horses just by nature, just like people are more confident than others. A training program suited to the horse's personality can go a long way in making the horse confident, you know, rewarding the slightest try and making things straightforward for a horse will help increase the chances that you will come out with a confident animal. That being said, barrel racing is a sport that takes a lot of grit, a lot of guts, and a lot of confidence. It is not for the faint of heart, horse or rider. Some horses are just not cut out for what it means to be a barrel horse. So you definitely need to take that into consideration when choosing a prospect. And you should definitely have a confident horse on your hands as you bring them to the pattern. Another thing that I just wanted to touch on that's sort of related before we wrap up today is in regards to your choice in training, many people will choose to send their prospects to, say, a cutter or a reining trainer. And as a general rule, that's great. Junior came from a cutting barn, and he's done amazing. Both reiners and cutters put a great handle on a horse that can definitely be an asset in the barrel pattern. There's been lots of horses with that kind of training background that have had tons of success. Um, you know, they have a soft face, collection, they're responsive to your leg. They have all of that stuff. But we have to keep in mind that reining and cutting are completely different sports from barrel racing. Cutters will turn by planting their butt and then turning back over themselves. You know, think of a horse uh, rolling back to chase a cow that's turned directions. Same thing with a reiner. They stop and then they get that hind end to pivot and then they do the rollback and change directions. We don't do that in barrel racing. As much as lots of people recommend rollbacks, we do not use that movement in the barrel pattern. We don't want them to turn back over themselves. That's going to result in the knocked barrel. We want them to turn around a barrel. Going, We go around an object. We want to keep that forward motion rather than having the stop and pivot. We want to keep that forward motion around the barrel. So if someone is training your barrel prospect, they definitely need to have that difference in mind. The last thing that we want is to have slow turns because we're not keeping that forward motion in our turns. So while cutter and rainer trainers do great work, 
you may want to consider someone who has more specific barrel training experience. Just some food for thought anyways. Like I said, cutters and reiners, they do make barrel horses. It's, you know, but just something to think about. And then I would also recommend that your horse see some variety in their life um, prior to, during, and after they're patterned. All horses need variety. Introduce your horse to all sorts of things. Rope some calves, teach some poles, herd some cattle. All of those things are going to help develop your horse's skill set and they're going to keep your horse's mind fresh. Going around the barrels day in and day out is going to result in a sour horse. So, you know, do this before they're patterned, while they're getting patterned, after they're patterned. It's it's a very, very important, and I just wanted to just highlight that a little bit for, before we closed up for the day. So, assuming you have all of those fundamentals, um, you know, your horse is proficient in them, as I said, you should be in great shape to start training on the barrel pattern. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got some value out of the podcast today. If you did, I'd love if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. Also be sure to check out A Cowgirl and Her Horse on Facebook and Instagram. You can also head over to anchor.fm to leave a voice memo. Ask a question, leave a comment, or just say hello. Lastly, be sure to check out acowgirlandherhorse.com deals for all sorts of exclusive offers and to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's always a good day to ride.